We're starting a brand new series today. We're really excited about this series. It's a series called Free. And uh, we're so thankful for our team. Came across that song this week. Asked if they could do that. The, the story that you saw in the video is the story behind the lyrics of that song. So powerful. And I love the, the quote from the theologian Louis B. Smeads. He said this. I don't know if you saw it at the beginning. But he said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Whenever you forgive, you're setting, you're setting someone free, and oftentimes what you're doing is you're setting yourself free because we're bound up in certain things. I've been in the ministry now for a little over 25 years, and I can attest to this, that one of the areas that I find that seems to bind people up more than anything else, one of the areas that prevents them from moving forward in their life and just prevents them from being what God has made them to be and seems to impact them negatively and as well as those who are around them most negatively more than anything else. I want to tell you this, through my experience, it is the issue of forgiveness. I mean, it, it is the issue of forgiveness. That is almost what, what I deal with with individuals on a daily basis. Because there's so much hurt and so much pain that's been inflicted upon us in certain ways. And, and you know, and, and I love what Watchman Nee said. He was a, a Chinese uh, evangelist, and, and this is what he said. He said, more ground is gained by the devil in the lives of believers because of unforgiveness than any other single thing. By the way, whenever he said that, he was in prison for the gospel. He spent the last 20 years of his life imprisoned for the gospel in China. And he wrote those words, and he said those words, that more ground is gained by the devil in this area, in our lives as believers, than anything else. That seems to bind us up more than anything else. And I know that whenever I talk about forgiveness, or, or Randy preaches about it, or we bring scriptures about it, here is something that I know. There's often apprehension that goes along with it. I can often sense it in the congregation, in all services, whenever we talk about it. And, and it's not because uh, you're bad people or I'm a bad person or anything like that. It's because there are a lot of wounds. There are a lot of wounds that people are dealing with. There's a lot of hurt that's been inflicted in our lives. And some of you are carrying wounds that are still open. Some of you are carrying wounds that are not open, but maybe are infected, you know, and you've been carrying this infection, and whenever, you remember whenever you'd fall down and you'd scrape your knee when you were a kid, or maybe recently, or whatever, and you'd get hurt, and, and you know, and, and there's that initial pain that comes with the fall, or with the hurt, or you get a splinter in your finger, or something like that, you know, or whatever, and, and you go to treat that wound, and there's just as much pain, if not more pain, in dealing with that hurt, when you put it, you know, your hand under the water, if you scrape your hand, or my mother would use this stuff called Bactine, do you guys remember that, okay, that was like pouring acid on it, or whatever, you know, it's like, let's throw some acid on his wound, you know, it'll make it better, or hydrogen peroxide or whatever, and whenever I'd get a splinter in my finger, my dad would pull out his pocket knife and go, well, it looks like we're going to have to amputate, and I'd be like, really? Okay, and, uh, but there would be like more, there's like more pain involved in kind of dealing with it, but we know this, we have to deal with it, or it's going to get, what? Infected, and when it gets infected, it's a worse situation in your life. Whenever you don't deal with it, things get infected in it, and it makes everything worse. And so when we are dealt emotional wounds, and there's not a person in here that hasn't been dealt an emotional wound from somebody in their life, 
When we are dealt with this and we don't deal with it properly or we stuff it and, and then it just, these emotions, these range of emotions continue on in our lives. And for many of us, it's year after year after year that we carry this infected wound that grows into bitterness in our life. And, and if we don't deal with it, we have to deal with it at some point because it is necessary for good health. I mean, have you ever thought about this? I was thinking about this this week. Have you ever thought about the fact that most of the wounds that we have in our lives, and now many of us are carrying some things, maybe someone got sick, and maybe you, there's been a death in your family or something, but have you noticed that most of the wounds that we carry in our lives have come because somebody else has hurt us? Most of the pain that's in our life is t- typically at the hands of another person. It's because of what somebody else has maybe done. I mean, let's just get real. How many of you would say this morning that the biggest pain that perhaps you have had in your life has come at the hands of another person? Would you just be honest and raise your hands, okay? In the first service, it was like it looked like nearly every hand and, and many in here as well. Some of the biggest pain in our, in our life has come at the hands of others. And it's interesting how much we need each other, right? And how much we are called to live in relationship with one another. And yet, it seems like in that process, there's also a lot of pain that happens. You know, that goes along with that process of, of living, you know, together and doing life together. There, we're broken. We're marred, we're sinful, we're all selfish at certain times, and we all want our way, and we all can be prideful. We all do wrong things, sometimes more than others, and, and, and so we get hurt, and we experience the pain, and, and, and oftentimes it grows into bitterness. It grows into bitterness, it grows into resentment, it grows into grudges that we carry, or when a person's name comes up, and all we just feel is all this negativity, and I want to tell you this, that there is, I would tell you that our spiritual enemy, Satan, loves it whenever there is division. He loves strife, he loves conflict, he loves when you're not right with people, he loves what it does to you, and, and he takes great glee whenever husband and wife are, are, are bitter towards one another, or maybe you're bitter towards an ex, or maybe you're bitter towards a child, or another family member. He takes great glee in believers that are, are feeling all of this kind of, this maybe bitterness that can turn into hatred and kind of it spawns that in our life. He takes great glee and division in our lives because do you know what it does? It robs us that believer of his joy, because whenever you're bound up in all that, you're not going to be joyful. You're not going to experience the joy that he has for you in your life. When you're bound up in all that, you're not going to experience the peace that passes all understanding. You're, you're, you're not going to experience the power of what it means to live in Christ whenever you are bound up in those things. So he takes glee in that happening in, in believers' lives. And i got to tell you that his strategy his strategy is working. It's working in many of our lives. I mean, we just need to own it and acknowledge it because here's what it does. We did this last series called Bold, and we're calling us to live bold lives for Christ and to touch other people for the Lord and to boldly stand up for Christ and, and, and to, to do these kinds of things. But can I tell you that if you're carrying bitterness and resentment and an unforgiving spirit, then it renders you ineffective as a, as a believer. It renders you ineffective because you don't have that peace and that joy and that power. And it renders you ineffective for the kingdom of God. And, and that was something that I really just recognized about myself about, about five years ago where I'd been carrying this bitterness in my heart 
for somebody that really hurt me and betrayed me, and I felt that, and I was carrying that. You know what I started realizing? The ministry around me was being affected. I started realizing that people around me were being affected by what I was carrying towards somebody else, and it was rendering me ineffective as a minister for the gospel. And I realized I have to deal with this. I need God to, to pull out his pocket knife, so to speak, or to, to bring out his back teen and to scour this wound in my life and, and really just to do a work in my life. And, and you know, it's also like this. When you, when you are carrying all of that hurt, it's like this. I read in one book, and one lady, her name's June Hunt. This is what she said about it. She said, it's like you're carrying this bag full of rocks, of all of this pain in your life, and you're trying to run your race, and you're running your race, but you're just being dragged, and it's, you know, you're, you're made to run a race, and you can't run your race effectively whenever you're carrying this big bag of hurt, and, and, and he, she calls them these rocks, okay, that are in our life. Here's what she says, though. She says the primary reason God wants us to forgive is because forgiveness sets us free. It sets us free to be all that God designed us to be. Whenever, and that's what we're really praying for and what I've been just, just uh, praying for us in this series is that God wants us to get that his, his command for us to forgive other people, he's not doing it so much for the benefit of the person who hurt us as much as he is doing that and giving that principle for the benefit of you and for me who have been hurt. He's doing it for our sake to set us free. It's not like he's this parent that is just scolding us, you know, whenever a couple of kids kind of get into a little scuffle or whatever, and they're like, you apologize, you apologize too. And they say, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry too. And they're not sorry. He's not like, you know, this disappointed parent who's just trying to forcing you into this. You know why he's doing this? He's saying, I love you so much, and I have so much planned for you, and I want to use you in so many different ways, but if you are bound up in this, then I'm not going to be able to use you the way that I could use you. And I want you free. I want you free to be everything that I have made you to be. I have called you to live an abundant, full life, filled with my joy, filled with my peace, filled with all the blessings that I have for you, but you're carrying in this Christian life this big sack full of rocks that just is weighing you down. God wants you free, right? I mean, think about it. Think about this principle here. Why should I live my life miserable and angry and bitter when in many cases the person who hurt me doesn't care? When they don't care about that, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's like doubling the hurt. They hurt you initially, and then what you're doing is you're empowering them to continue this process of pain over and over and over again in your life. You're allowing them to do this whenever you choose to carry that. It's doubling the pain. That's why I like, as we're going to look in Matthew 18, if you have your Bibles, turn there. We're going to look in Matthew 18 today. That's why we'll see where Jesus said that whenever you carry this, it's like you are opening yourselves back up to this torture or these torturers again, and you're locking yourself back up. We're going to see what the scripture has to say about it. So when I brought this issue up a few weeks ago in one of the messages where we talked about being bold, and we talked about kind of being a Barnabas for people, 
and how we can grow skeptical or, or excuse me, cynical, and that cynicism can, can develop in our hearts, and our heart gets really hard, and we apply it to everybody and everyone. I sensed this. I sensed in all services, not any particular person, I just know that when you talk about it, it's touchy. It's sensitive because there's some serious, deep hurts that some of you have been inflicted with and, and that you are carrying and I sensed in some ways aversion to it or kind of this, like, you know, I, I don't really want to hear that. Or, or that's, you know, again, because it's like when you're dealing with a wound and you just withdraw. It's like it hurts. I don't want to deal with it, you know. It, the pain there hurts just as much. And I, I was thinking as, as I was even preaching on that day that, that a lot of times one of the reasons we resist teachings on forgiveness or a lot of times we get defensive and maybe we don't want to hear it is because in many cases there is a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is and what it is not. Before we get into Matthew 18, I want to clear some things up. And I can't hit every single thing that it is not. But I want to give you some quick things that, that forgiveness is not, okay? And so if you're taking some notes, I encourage you to write these things down. Forgiveness is not a feeling. First, it's not a feeling. If you're waiting around for maybe this sappy feeling to come over you to where you'll finally feel like forgiving, I'm telling you, that feeling may never come, okay? It is not going to be a feeling. It is a, it is a choice that we make. It is something we decide to do through God's power. I would even tell you this, it's supernatural because forgiveness is not a natural thing to do because our flesh is selfish. Our flesh is self-preserving. And it doesn't want to, to forgive. It, it wants to hold grudges. And so it's supernatural, okay? It's not a feeling. If you're saying, well, I've just got to wait around and then I'll finally feel like forgiving, then I'm telling you that you've played into the hand of the enemy because here's the thing. You're not going to feel like doing it. You won't feel, uh, in most cases, ever like forgiving a person who has hurt you. Forgiveness, secondly, is not denying that sin occurred or diminishing its evil. It's not, a lot of times we think if we forgive, we're saying, well, it's just, uh, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Let bygones be bygones. It's not a big deal. Listen to me very clearly today. It was a big deal. It was a big deal, it was sinful, and, and, and it was such a big deal that Jesus Christ had to die on the cross for that sin. So it is a big deal, and it's not diminishing the fact that it was evil. It's not saying that it, that, you know, that it's not, it's not saying, well, if I forgive, then I'm letting them off of the hook. No, here's what you're doing when you forgive. You are taking that person who is on your hook right now, and you are taking them off of your hook, and you are putting them on God's hook. And you're saying, you are the just God. You are ultimately the sovereign. I am not. And I am trusting that you are just and that you are good. Forgiveness is not diminishing its evil. Forgiveness is not enabling sin. It's not, it's not enabling sin. Someone you love is an addict or a thief or an abuser. It's not saying it is okay for you to continue doing that. It's not saying that by me forgiving you, I'm going to enable you to do more and there are no boundaries that are put in place. That's not what forgiveness is, okay? It's not being an enabler. Forgiveness is not a response to an apology. It's not a response to apology. Well, they have never even said they're sorry. Can I just let you know? They may never say they're sorry. So you're going to continue to hold resentment that's going to bind you up because they won't do something that you are hoping they will do, but they may never do. 
In some cases, it may never be possible for them to do. Some of them may die in their bitterness. Some of them may die, and you may never have the opportunity to reconcile in that. And then are you still going to choose to live in that kind of bondage, you know? And so it's not a response to an apology. They may never apologize. You may never even talk to that person again. They may move away. And so, again, this is more about you and God than anything else. This is more about you and your relationship with God and your fellowship with God. Forgiveness is not covering up crimes committed against us. It's not covering up crimes committed against us. There are consequences that come with actions. There may come a time where you can or need to call the police. Okay? Well, that's just not forgiving, Pastor Bart. No, I can forgive that person and I can still call the police. Okay? You may need to call the police. Whenever there, is, there are consequences that come with actions, and I want you to know that we are not a church that's going to say, well, we're a forgiving church in this manner, and that we're going to stand by and let women be abused and let children be abused and all that, and, and no, listen, we can forgive people, but we also can call the police, okay? And we just need to understand that it's, it's not covering up crimes committed against us, all right? Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not forgetting. Lots of good religious people like to quote Jeremiah, you know, 31, where he says, I remember your sins no more. And that's, that's a beautiful passage of scripture. I heard a well-meaning person one time say, well, God doesn't remember it, and you just need to forget about it too, you know. God doesn't remember your sin. You just need to forget all about it. Listen, God is omniscient. God knows everything. There's not this list of things that God has forgotten. God doesn't need a checklist, all right, when he goes shopping or whatever, all right? God is all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows everything I've ever done. He knows everything I'm ever going to do. This passage, what it means is that God chooses to deal with me with an application of the blood of Jesus Christ covering my sin and his grace. He deals with me in grace, and he casts my sins as far as the east is from the west. But God knows everything I've done. God knows. This isn't forgetting. Uh, All right, so I, I would even say this. There is every experience in our life, good, bad, ugly experiences are all experiences that God will use in our life. How's he going to use them? We're going to have to learn from those experiences. So we learn from it. We take it. We realize it was a trial in our life, and we learn from it. Forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness is not trust. Husband has an affair against his wife. Uh, He says he's sorry. She says that she forgives him. Does everything automatically go back to the way that it was instantly? No. There are now has been a breach of trust. A huge withdrawal has been taken out of that love bank, right? Out of that, and that, and that withdrawal was trust and trust. I talked to a couple uh, after the first service. They've been married. We've been married 52 years uh, tomorrow. He came to me and he said, one of the most important factors in our marriage in 52 years is trust. And whenever that trust is broken, all right, it takes time to repair Trust is broken in an instant, but it, t- it takes time to repair trust, okay? So forgiveness is not trust. It, in some cases, it may, that trust may never be fully restored. Things may never go back to exactly the way they were before. 
We just have to understand that, that that's the consequences, the natural consequences that follow with sin is that that trust has been broken. It doesn't mean that it can't be worked on. It doesn't mean that we, that we begin to seek to repair it. It just means that now there is a big wound there. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. I said this a few weeks ago, but I want to reiterate it. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Why? Because it takes two people uh, to reconcile, and sometimes that's just not possible. It takes one person to repent. It takes another person to forgive. Reconciliation is a two-way street. Here's what I want to teach today. Forgiveness is a one-way street. Forgiveness is your part. Okay, you can't control another person. You can't control their response. You can't control whether or not they're ever going to be repentant. You can't control whether or not they're going to ever say they're sorry. All right? The hope is reconciliation, but it's not always possible. Sometimes, in some cases, it's not recommended where there's been perhaps severe abuse, where there's been, you know, a, a danger for that to continue and trust has been greatly broken. Sometimes it's not recommended. However, forgiveness is recommended, or I should say commanded, okay, because Jesus commands it. He commands us to forgive because he wants us free. And so it's not, it's not reconciliation. It can lead to reconciliation, but it doesn't always lead to reconciliation. It's not resuming the relationship without any changes. I would even say this. This isn't on the screen here, but it's not even just a one-time event. It's something that I have to go back to whenever I've forgiven a person and that those feelings come up over and over and over again. And I have to go back to the place of saying, I have forgiven this. Because the enemy will try to bring it up over and over again. He did this with me in this particular instance. And, and I got some advice from somebody that said, take what that person did, write everything down on a sheet of paper that they did to you. This is for your eyes only, right? All right? And then here's what I want you to do. I want you in this act of forgiveness through God's power, I want you to write over that paid in full. Debt is released. And I did that and I burned it. And so now every time the enemy comes back to me and he tries to play it over in my mind or gouge me with that again to get me to be locked up again to that, I come back to the enemy and I say, you know what? I forgave that debt. I forgave that debt. I'm still hurt. I still carry some wounds, but that debt is, has been canceled, okay? So, so uh, the relationship, if it's going to be reconciled, uh, then the person who is offended, there has to be genuine repentance, there has to be repentance. There has to be restitution where possible. There has to be a rebuilding of trust. Those are components that are necessary for the relationship to be reconciled, and that's just not always necessary, all right? So I wanted to clarify some of that up front because when we begin to understand what forgiveness is not, then it disarms us to recognize what it is and to begin to do it, to begin to realize the benefit in our life. We're not, letting, we're not letting them off the hook. We're putting them on God's hook, okay? We're not saying it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal, but we're trusting that God is the sovereign God who is just over all things, all right? And in fact, Hope and I were having this talk this week, and I was just saying, I was kind of learning this and thinking about this. I was saying, whenever we choose not to forgive, do you know what in essence we're doing? And I'd never thought of it this way. In, in essence, it's almost blasphemy because what we're saying is, God, I am a better God over this than you are. I'd never thought of that until this week. God, I will handle this better than you. I am a better judge than you could ever be judged. It's blasphemy whenever we choose not to do that. 
Okay? And so look at what Paul writes in Galatians. He says, so Christ has truly, say it with me, church, Christ has truly set us free. Let me ask you, does that sound like that's already happened? Yes. He has already done it. You're free. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, right? My chains are gone. I've been set free. I hope you weren't just mouthing those words, but you just really were experiencing that today. And then he goes on. Now, look at the next part. Now, make sure you, what does it say? Stay free. That you're staying free. Why? Because we are so prone to get back in the shackles again. We allow things back in, and we get shackled up again, and, and, you know, it's getting tied back up. And now, in this particular context, he's talking about legalism, and he's talking about getting tied back up with that again. But, it, but really, it applies in so many areas of our life where we end up getting bound again to the things that Jesus has paid for and has set us free from. Peter comes to Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, all right, with a very big question. It's a question that we get asked. And look with me in Matthew 18, and Jesus has given his disciples on instructions on what to do whenever a fellow believer hurts you, and what happens, and which this would imply that's going to happen, okay? We're broken. We're messed up. We say dumb things. We hurt each other, and, and we get selfish, okay? And, and apparently, as Jesus was talking about this, this stirred up some feelings in Peter, and Peter was probably thinking about a specific person, and he had a thing that he was dealing with, and uh, we don't know who it was, but Peter comes to Jesus in verse 21, and it says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone, that translates my brother, we don't know if it was Andrew, his legitimate brother there or not, physical brother, it could have been, could have just been another disciple, could have just been somebody that he was carrying a wound from in the past that was hurting him over and over again, okay, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me, and then he asks this question, and he's thinking he's kind of being super spiritual here, seven times, all right? You say, why seven times? Why does he bring up seven? Well, legally, the Mosaic law called for forgiveness, uh, that you would forgive three times. After that, write them off, okay? Some of you are going, I'm converting to Judaism. Don't do that, all right? Jesus is going to show you there's a better way. You're going to get bound up in the law if you do, okay? And, And so what Peter was doing is Peter was saying, okay, I'll just impress Jesus with this, not just three times. Let's double it. And I tell you what, Jesus, I'll throw an extra forgiveness in and throw a little cherry on top. What do you think about that? Aren't I super spiritual? And Jesus is going to rock their world. His words are radical. And he's going to say, what does he say next, church? You know what he says? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. You math people are trying to add it up and multiply it and get there and go, does that mean at that other point that I'm done? The point here that Jesus is saying is that you are to continue forgiving. Because here's the thing, if you don't, what are you doing? Locking yourself back up. Locking yourself back up. You, you are then bound to the resentment again. What he's teaching is not the Mosaic law. He's teaching what is called the law of love, the law of grace, okay, God's grace. So Jesus, being the most masterful teacher ever, is going to just, just tell a story to them to drive the, the point home of God's grace and his forgiveness. And I got to tell you, Jesus was setting them up just like we set you up by singing about God's grace first today. 
we don't just pick those songs randomly. Uh, I was like, you know what I really want to focus on? God's grace in our lives. We need to recognize it in our life because people who realize they've been forgiven much are more prone to forgive. And they recognize that in their life. So Jesus sets them up. Look at what he says, okay, after he's talking to Peter, now he's talking to all of them. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king. Who do you think the king is? God Almighty, right? The king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with, with servants who had borrowed money from him. So the king is going to call all accounts due. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, okay? Now, the way this translates, it's actually, in today's um, currency, it's probably over $12 million, okay? He owed, now, don't get hung up on a particular number here, because here's the thing, what Jesus is trying to, to imply through this is that the debt could never be repaid, It would never be able to be repaid, so don't just get hung up on a specific number. But here is, and those who were listening, they understood this was an unpayable debt. This person would never be able to pay this debt back. In the process, one of those who who he brought in was owed him a million dollars. He couldn't pay. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. By the way, whenever there are forgiveness issues and resentment issues, do you notice that it always brings others into uh, our, who are in our lives? They are affected by it as well. It could be a spouse, could be a ch- could be a child, could be others, but they are in, they are affected by it as well. Okay, and so he, he couldn't pay the debt. He couldn't pay this, and so it order, he orders them to be sold, uh, his children to be sold, and everything that he, that he owned to be sold to pay the debt which could never be paid. The point here is not. It's not like bankruptcy today, okay? The point is the king at that point has the right to imprison the one who is in debt and to sell the rest of the family to apply it towards the debt, and everyone kind of understood this, okay, because that's what happened. The debt is unpayable. Verse 26, but the man fell down before his master, and he begged him. Now, read it with me out loud, church. What does he say? Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Well, those were ridiculous words because he couldn't pay it all. But he is asking for something. He's asking for mercy. He's asking for patience. He's asking, this was a ridiculous thing to assert that he could pay it because it could never be repaid. Every listener who was listening to Jesus knew that it could never be repaid. And, and so they're following in the story, all right? And, and so here, here's what's happening to this particular man. He's crying out for this, and, and we have to make a choice. I want you to see that this particular king, who is representative of God, makes a choice to forgive. He makes a choice to forgive, and which is merciful. And as a believer, I want us to see this, and here's a couple of points for you. First, I am called and commanded by God to forgive, first, because God has forgiven me. I know that you knew that I was going to go there, but because that's where we have to start. God has forgiven me. The king's response, verse 27, then his master was filled with pity for him. That word also translates compassion. He felt compassion for him. And he, now look at the wording. Look at what it, how it describes it, okay? He released him. He released him and forgave his debt. 
You see, when somebody hurts us, there is a debt that is owed to us. That's why we say, you know, you owe me, or I will repay you, right? There's a debt that is owed. And so this is a gift that is offered to this particular man, a free gift. It's God's grace and God's mercy woven together. Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. What did he deserve? He deserved to be imprisoned. He deserved for his family to be sold because he could never pay the debt. Grace is when we, when we get something that we don't deserve, all right? And so this is woven together. Forgiveness is this. If you're taking notes, forgiveness is a cancellation of a debt owed. That's what it is. The New Testament Greek word that's used for forgiveness, it literally means this, a pardon, a cancellation of an obligation, it's a punishment, or, or excuse me, a cancellation or a pardon of a punishment or a guilt that, is, that is, it has been incurred there. The verb form of it, to forgive, literally means to send away. It literally means to release. It literally means to let go. So you're carrying that big sack full of heavy rocks, right, trying to run your race. This literally means you are releasing that uh, uh, before God, and you're saying, God, I'm putting this on your hook. I'm taking it off of my hook, and it's on your hook because I want to be free. Right? Jesus is setting them up there. He's showing them the law of God's. If they're going to live by the letter of the law, the letter of the law was that we could never repay our sin debt. But instead, God chose to love us and show mercy and be gracious with us. And, and, and so what he's doing, and that is the gospel. It's forgiveness of our sin. We didn't deserve it. We can't earn it. It's nothing that can ever be achieved on our own. That's the gospel message, and that's the good news we love to hear. We love to sing amazing grace. We love to say, my chains are gone. You know, I've been set free. But here's the challenging part of this. God expects us to do the same with others. That's tough, right? Could be the most difficult part of our Christian walk. Is to forgive when we've been hurt. To forgive and to release the debt that is owed. It's not saying there's not a debt. There is a debt. Okay, it's hard to show and there's a few different reasons if you're being bound up to bitterness and maybe you're bound in that and you're feeling that all the time. There's a few things that could be going on. Maybe you have this unforgiving spirit. I want you to consider today that there could be a few things that are going on in your life. One, maybe you haven't really grasped how much you have been forgiven by God. And you just don't recognize it or realize it or amazing grace. You know, you haven't grasped how much we really offended God and how broken our relationship with God was and that it was his grace that restored it. And maybe you just are, are you know, are ignorant of that and you don't realize the greatness of that. Or maybe we've not done a good enough job teaching that to you or whatever. The other possibility is this, is that you do know how much you have been forgiven, but hypocritically you are unwilling to apply that to others in your life but you want it in yours so there's a couple of possibilities there and so we have to grapple with what that is God showed me the hypocrisy in my life about five years ago that I had to confess and I had to get this right with in his life I was I was loving preaching grace I was loving applying it in my life I was loving that so much and yet I was unwilling to release a debt that was 
really a debt that had been had de- dealt me a serious blow emotionally. So look at the servant's reaction. He's given this grace. He's released of his debt. Look at the servant's reaction. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant. So this was someone who was his equal. I mean, what we have is we have the king, who is the great king, choosing to release the debt of this one who is under him. Now we have a man who is a fellow servant, okay, under this same king, all right, who owed him a few thousand dollars, okay? It wasn't millions, but it was still a significant sum of money. He grabbed him by the throat, and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Now look at the words, and you tell me they aren't exactly the same as what the man said to the king. Look at what, the, what he says. Be patient with me, and I will pay it. That's what he's saying. The same words. It's the, and why do you think Jesus is doing that? He's pointing out hypocrisy. He's saying, we want it, but we don't want to give it. We want it in our lives, but we're unwilling to give it. He pleaded, I will pay it back, all right? And he goes on, but his creditor, this is the man who was owed something, the unmerciful servant, he wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. So this, Jesus is teaching, and this guy is doing the exact opposite of what his master had just done for him. This guy owes millions and millions that can never be repaid. And he's got a friend that still owes him something, and it's significant. He's not saying that he didn't owe him. He did. He's just saying this. He's just saying, I'm unwilling. Either I'm unwilling or I don't realize how much I've really been forgiven. The tragedy is that a lot of Christians are living this way. We're living like this, and we're living as this unmerciful servant, and, and either we don't understand God's grace, we've not applied it, we don't feel forgiven, we don't realize the power of God's grace in our life, or we're just living in hypocrisy, and he's calling us out on it. Either way, though, we're miserable. Either way, we're locked up. Either way, we're torturing ourselves. Did you notice the man's harshness? Did you see how harsh he was whenever he came upon the man who owed him something? What does it say he did? He grabbed him by the throat. And we're like, what in the world is that all about? Okay, legally, uh, Roman law said that if somebody owed you money and they wouldn't pay you back, you could choke them. All right? All right, isn't that an interesting law? Okay, so if we want to get real legalistic, he's saying you could choke the life out of him. He choked him, and he's harsh with him, and he's using harsh words. And you know what I started thinking about? I started thinking about this whenever... I have a tendency to be harsh maybe with my family or I say harsh words with other people. It's often because I have forgotten, one, how much I've been forgiven or there's unresolved guilt that I've not dealt with. There's a wound that hasn't been addressed or dealt with where God's grace has brought healing in my life. And then I start getting harsh with people around me. You see what I'm saying? But instead, God calls us to something better. He calls us to a higher way of living, not this harshness. Look at what Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, get rid of all bitterness. You've got to get rid of it. It's an action you take in, through the power of God's Spirit. Get rid of it. Why? Because it's, it's wrecking your life. It's weighing you down. It's binding you up. Get rid of all rage and anger. Now look at this, and this has convicted me so much. Harsh words. Harsh words are coming out because there is a condition going on in our hearts. 
he says, get rid of it. Slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Now look at this, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, or compassionate, having pity, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The key to forgiveness is to start by recognizing how much God has forgiven me. And I recognize that, and I'm so thankful for that. Here's the final thing, is that I've got to get rid of this, this bitterness in my life because resentment, it makes me miserable. It's, it's doing harm to me. It's a hell on earth whenever I'm living bitter, and I am living with this, this unresolved anger, and I'm, not, and I'm carrying it day in and day. It, it's like a hell on earth. It's a torture chamber. Look at what the Word says. When some of the other servants saw this, they saw the man choking him, it says that they were very upset. Do you know what I notice about this? Is that whenever we are bitter and we are angry and we are unforgiving, it affects our fellowship with other servants too. And they are affected. And it breaks fellowship there, and it causes strife all over the place, and it causes it in our families. And they are upset, and they, they went to the king, and they told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man that he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. He says, Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt, okay? Now, I want to be clear about a couple of things. That you can't earn your salvation by forgiving others, and you cannot lose your salvation by having an unforgiving spirit. That's not what this is communicating. What he is saying here, and what many scholars believe about this, is this man was a believer, and what this is when we uh, uh, place our faith in Jesus Christ, we have what is called positional forgiveness, where we have been justified. We are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, and, and, and therefore we cannot lose our salvation because we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been forgiven of our past, present, future sins, okay? But there is something else that whenever we, as in our flesh, continue to sin against God and when you get saved we still are going to blow it from time to time right we still mess up we still say dumb things we still hurt each other then what happens is our fellowship with God our relationship is not broken we never cease being a son but our fellowship with God is 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 hindered it is broken we're not going to be as close to God as we could be. You know, we're not going to experience the blessings of God that we could experience in our life. And it's interesting that he says that he was put back in prison. The word literally when it speaks of this is he was being tortured, tormented. You know what's interesting is God, when we choose not to forgive, God doesn't have to put us back in prison. We put ourselves back in prison. We put ourselves right back in that place. Whenever this, uh, you know, happens, whenever I'm hindering my fellowship and my closeness with God. Now, here is something else this teaches, is that whenever we refuse to do what God has called us to do as a son and a daughter, when we refuse to do that, we are inviting the discipline of God into our life. Because I will tell you this, Scripture teaches that a good father will discipline his children. So whenever I say I am not going to forgive or whatever, God says, I hate that for you because I'm going to have to bring some discipline in your life. And it's not going to be pleasant. 
and could be very painful. Because I love you and I want to correct it in you. Because I want you free. Because I have a plan for your life. And, and all we are doing is we are making ourselves miserable and binding ourselves up again. His spirit put him back in prison again. So let's get really practical today. We've learned this lesson. We've talked about what it's not. All right, We've disarmed ourselves and I just sense the Holy Spirit is wanting to begin to bring healing into some of your lives right now question is, are you willing? Are you going to be, here's the big question, willing to be obedient as a child of God, or are you going to willfully disobey your father? I want to just invite you right now, just to bow your heads with me, and let's just spend a moment just reflecting upon what God has done in our life. God is trying to get many of us, he's trying to get our attention today. He's trying to teach us that carrying that resentment, it doesn't work. Carrying the bitterness, it's not, it's not helping you. Do yourself a favor. Deal with it. Release it. Take that person, whoever that may be in your life, off of your hook. Put them back on the God's hook. See, forgiveness is a great act of faith in God because you're saying to God, you're saying, God, I trust you, even in the hurts in my life, that you are sovereign over those. I trust you that there's not anything that has happened in my life that you can't use in my life to make me into the, the man and the woman that, or woman that you have called me to be. He's saying, son, He's saying, daughter, I want you to release your offender because I want you free. I want you free to live at peace. I want you free to have all of my joy. I want you free to live the abundant life I've made for you. So we have a choice. We have a choice. I'm going to tell you right now, this series is going to take a lot of work. It's going to take not just hearing messages. It's going to take putting that into practice. It's going to sting. It's going to hurt. Some of you are going to get mad. Some of you are going to get mad at me. Hey, if that's what has to happen for you to get free, let's go. Because I want you free. God wants you free. We want you to experience. God wants you to experience all that he has for you. Remember, you're not saying it's not a big deal. It was a big deal. Jesus had to die for it. You're releasing your offender. Some of us right now, we just need to say, God, let's just pray to him. Lord, I need, I'm going to continue to need your forgiveness in my life, Lord, because I continue to blow it. Would you help me to understand how much you really love me. Would you help me to understand how much you have forgiven me? Would you show me today, God, make this your prayer, if I have been bound back up again and am missing out on the life you have for me because I'm being held hostage to resentment, would you show me that today? And if that is the case, Lord, show me how to begin to release it. 
someone comes to your mind in just a mental picture, just name that person specifically right now. Lord, I know that I have a, I have a debt to you so much greater than any debt that this person can have to me, and yet you've forgiven me. You love me. Lord, I know I'm going to need forgiveness for our fellowship in the future. And I want to be close to you. I want to experience your love and your blessings in my life and in my family. Lord, I give this person over to your justice. And I want to stop reacting to that person in my past so I can start relating rightly to the people around me in my present. Would you do your work, Holy Spirit? We love you, Lord. I pray that you would release chains today, that we would be able to sing that our chains are gone, and they're gone for good. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.